In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. So glad to see all of you here tonight. It's a joy to be with you. Anybody here planning on maybe getting a present tomorrow? Gift, yeah? I asked that question at the family service with the kids, and I was, just, I was not sure I was going to get to talk again uh, after that. They were excited. Probably just about everybody here uh, will get a gift, and, and, um, and that says something, doesn't it? A gift communicates. When you get a gift, or when you give a gift, that gift communicates something. At the very least, it says, I'm thinking about you. It might say, I love you. It might say, I know you well enough to know what you want or what you like or what you need. I know what you will enjoy. I know what will make you laugh. I know what you could use. And I think so much of you that I'm willing to sacrifice my own resources, maybe it's time or money, in order to get that thing for you. Maybe, like you, I have been just so blessed to receive very many gifts uh, over the years that have been meaningful to me, but I, I want to show you one uh, tonight, it, uh, one that communicated such thoughtfulness and such love to me. It was given to me by, by my daughter, Caroline. And she noticed that I did not have a throw pillow on my couch in my office. I had never noticed that I did not. But she did, and so she bought a pillow that would look nice, but then she painted Amazing Grace uh, right on it. And she's doing such a nice job. And it was really amazing. And I, I love Amazing Grace. The hymn is one of my very favorites. And uh, it'll be sung at my funeral. Um, and... Um, and I, I, God's amazing grace is something I'll never get tired of talking about, never get tired of hearing about. And so it's just really special to me. When, I, uh, when I'm in my office and if I'm discouraged or down, I'll, I'll just happen to notice that pillow and remember that my family loves me and that God loves me through his amazing grace. And so it's just, it was a, a great gift that just continues to give and, and remind me. It was a gift that communicates uh, to me. Because gift, gifts communicate, right? They bring a message with them. And it can work the other way too, can it? I mean, fellas, if you like, you know, if you're planning on surprising your wife tomorrow morning with a, you know, gym membership that she didn't ask for, like, you might be communicating that you prefer the couch. Uh, <laughs> gifts communicate, right? They, from the giver to the receiver, they bring a message with them. And so tonight, I want to talk about what God is communicating to us through His greatest gift, through His Son. Tonight, I want to talk about the message in the manger. Because we know the story. We know the story. We love the story that young, unmarried Virgin Mary found herself to be expecting a child by the Holy Spirit. And she and her fiancé, Joseph, went to Bethlehem and she had that baby there in the same place that the livestock was kept. Because there's no room for this needy family in the main quarters. And she wrapped that baby up tight 
to keep him warm and laid him in the only place that she could lay him. They didn't have beds there. She laid him in the, in the feeding trough, the manger. And there were shepherds and angels and a star. We know the story. We love the story. So what does God's precious gift of his son communicate to us? What is the message in the manger? Well, I feel certain there are lots and lots and lots of things we could talk about, but I just want to focus on two things. The maker is in the manger. The Messiah is in the manger. The maker and the Messiah. First, the maker is in the manger. When I was conceived, that was the beginning of me. When you were conceived, that was the beginning of you. But when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, that was not the beginning of the Son of God. In fact, I think it is hard for us to get our heads our hearts, our minds around what the Bible so clearly tells us. That in the very beginning of all things, in the very beginning of creation itself, however it happened, God the Son was already there. He was with God. And He was God. The Scriptures, tells us, the scriptures tell us that all things were made through God's Son. Every star in the sky was imagined from His mind and spoken into being. Every species of plant or animal from all the exterior beauty of creation and all the spectacular diversity of creation to every inner working on the tiniest subcellular level Physics and mathematics and sunrises and solar systems all spoken into being by God the Father through God the Son. And we're going to say it again in just a few minutes in the Creed. That through Him all things were made. And, and listen, that is amazing enough. But then, that this God who made heaven and earth, revealed himself through the ages to the likes of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to Moses, to David and Isaiah, and countless others who wrestled with their faith. That is more amazing still. But the mind-boggling claim of Christmas is that this pre-existent God the Son, this maker of heaven and earth, the God of the patriarchs and prophets, is the baby. That he created himself into the womb of a young Jewish virgin woman named Mary. The power that created the cosmos made himself with great intention into practically his own opposite. He made himself small and vulnerable and poor and dependent and limited 
If you or I had that kind of power to make heaven and earth, and we wanted to make an entrance into the world, it would probably look like something out of a Marvel movie. Right? I mean, we'd make sure there was lightning and muscles and a suit of armor and amazing hair. I mean, I would, anyway. But not our one true God. He made himself to cry when he got hungry or cold. To need to be fed and changed and rocked to sleep. The message in the manger is that God has come among us. The maker of heaven and earth made himself into our world in the most beautiful and unexpected way possible. But that's not the end of the message. The maker in the manger would just be a, a sort of interesting fact, an asterisk in history if it were not for his mission. For the reason that he came, he came to save the world. It was the Messiah in the manger. He came for you and he came for me. And that makes this humble birth all the more remarkable. The message of this gift all the more personal and important to us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. But how could a baby save the world? He couldn't. He couldn't. The Lord didn't come to swoop in and take care of one business and one swipe. He came to dwell among us. To experience life in this beautiful and broken world. And to live that life perfectly. Not just to be an example, but also to be a sacrifice. Remember how I said that Caroline saw that I needed a pillow, and even though I didn't see I needed a pillow, and she, she gave that to me. God saw what we needed, even when we couldn't see it, and he gave that to us. I mean, if, if God asked us what we wanted saving from, we would name all sorts of really important things. We would we'd list out like war <laughs> and hunger and cancer and financial difficulty or broken relationships. In fact, you may be here tonight and going through any number of those things. And the truth is that God has something to say about all of those things, something to offer us from his life or uh, from his teaching about each of those countless and, uh, and other countless hard and important things. But the God who loves us saw what we needed more than anything else and he gave us that. He gave us a Savior from sin and death. He gave us a Savior who would put our sin away and would reconcile us to himself by living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we deserve to die. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. 
reconciled. And it is that reconciliation which is the fountain from which all the solutions to all those other problems flow. Reconciliation with God. The message in the manger is that God so loved you that he gave his only son to the end that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Now, I was going to make a third point for this sermon. It would be the maker in the manger, the Messiah is in the manger, and mercy is in the manger. That's, that's a neat and tidy three-point sermon. It all starts with M, and my homiletics professor would be very pleased. But um, the truth is, you can't distinguish the message of Jesus as being the Messiah from the message that he is merciful. Mercy and Messiah are the same point. To save us is to be merciful to us. To be merciful to us is to love us. And this really is what is so remarkable about his incarnation and why over 2,000 years later we're still celebrating it. There's nearly 200 people here tonight in like sub-zero temperatures that uh, to hear about this incarnation. God Almighty is not looking down disapprovingly and waiting for us to get our act together. He came, but he did not come strong in judgment to fo and force against his enemies. He doesn't even claim to love his enemies, but wisely keep them at arm's length. No, he came to make himself the most vulnerable and place himself in their care. God's gift to you, wrapped in swaddling clothes, cooing to his mother sweetly in the night, the maker of heaven and earth, the merciful Messiah, God's greatest gift, amazing grace to you and for you. The question is, we in turn Give ourselves to him. Merry Christmas. Amen.